Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Smart Marks Arrested Podcast presented by thesportsman.com. We've got all sorts of stuff going on today, including our all-out for AEW predictions. We'll run you through match by match what we think will happen at All Out on Saturday. We've got some news in WWE, including Enzo and Cass, and a bunch of changes on Raw and SmackDown. So we're going to get into all of that today. That is this week's episode of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast presented by thesportster.com. Again, to another edition of the Smart Marks Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. We're going to bring Brandon in with us in a minute here to talk about AEW and All Out and the predictions for that show. But before we do that, we've got some news to get on to. Uh, the biggest stuff really has to do with Enzo and Cass, of all people, a tag team that was popular in NXT and since then has gone on to wreak havoc in the world of professional wrestling. Cass has calmed down a little bit. He seems to regret his exit from WWE. He's gotten himself in better shape, but Enzo stays in the news for all the wrong reasons. Well, anyway, there's some rumor buzz that they might be talking to WWE about coming back to NXT. Now, WWE was reached out to, and it sounds like they have denied any of those talks, that that is not actually happening. So it doesn't look like there's anything to this rumor, but that doesn't mean it isn't happening. NXT is moving to the USA Network here in the middle of September. They want to have some competition for AEW in October. Would Cass and Enzo be something that would draw attention? Absolutely. Would it be the right move? Probably not, but there is some buzz there. Sounds like it's probably a long shot at best, but it is something that's going to stay in the news for a little while until you know we know what's what. Uh, the PWI 2019 Top 500 list has come out. Uh, Seth Rollins again is on there as the number one spot, but wrestlers are reacting to it. Somebody like Pete Dunne, who is famous in WWE NXT UK and on some of the NXT TakeOver shows, is doesn't even care that he's on it. He thinks it's silly that there's a list like this that exists. Um, so everybody's reacting to it a little bit differently, but we do have that story on thesportshow.com. You can check it out, how the wrestlers are reacting. Uh, The Rock has gone out and thanked Kem Shamrock just prior to his signing with Impact Wrestling. Shamrock is making a comeback. Rock has said that Shamrock is, you know, responsible in a major way for the success of the Attitude Era. So that's something that uh, is kind of neat that Shamrock, who has all all but almost been forgotten about in wrestling, is getting some shout-out props from The Rock. So that's kind of cool. John Moxley, we know, is out of All Out, and we talk about that a little bit as we get into the predictions with Brandon. He is also at a star cast. He won't be making an appearance there. So that's a bummer for Conrad Thompson, the guy who runs the StarCast 3 event, which is happening this weekend. No Moxley. Pac has taken his place in the match against Kenny Omega, so that's kind of a downer, but it is what it is. There's some news that WWE might hold another brand split or a draft, if that's what you want to call it. Basically, with NXT moving to USA, with Raw and SmackDown sort of becoming the Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff shows, it is and does make sense that WWE would look to get stable rosters on both of those shows. So the WWE might hold another draft, which is going to put some people on Raw, put some people on SmackDown, and then establish some stars for NXT for the two-hour move to the USA Network, and that's kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, there's I mean there's a ton going on here in terms of news and stuff, but for the most part, it's going to be all about. AEW this week, 
All About All Out, the prediction show on Saturday. NXT UK is running their Cardiff event as well on Saturday afternoon, but that's not getting near the buzz that the AEW pay-per-view is getting. AEW's All Out is going to be huge for this company. It's probably the pay-per-view that needs to be you know, the biggest success for the company at this point. Going into TNT's programming, their two-hour show, they got to get it off on the right foot. They got to work out some of the bugs, the announcing that has been taking some critical hits. Uh, Jim Ross has been good, but the other two guys, not so great. Um, Tony Schiavone is coming in. Whether or not he's going to be part of the broadcast team, it doesn't sound like he is, but it would make sense to have him show up on the show and be a part of that whole thing. So we're going to get into all of that, the match card, the predictions, who's going to do what, is anybody going to show up, what does CM Punk look like for this thing. Um, yeah, so outside of some other news, we're going to get right onto it. We're going to bring Brandon in. Here's the interview we did with Brandon about the AEW All Out predictions. We hope that you enjoy. All right, everybody. We've got Brandon with us. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Jim. What's going on, man? Uh, I wanted to make sure that I got you in so that we could talk about the AEW All Out predictions. We chatted about that last week. We were going to do that this episode, so let's get right to it. So where do you want to start? Uh, we can start with like the pre-show, like buy-in or whatever they uh, they call it, right? We can start with uh, the pre-matches if you want. Yeah, good to me. Yeah. Go ahead. All right, so you got uh, Private Party, which is uh, Isaiah Kennedy and Mark Wynn versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, I can start with that one. I really liked sure. seeing Mark Wynn last time uh, at the last pay-per-view, and I'm excited to see them again. So I think Private Party takes this one. Yeah, uh, the buy-in for me is not... Uh on this pay-per-view especially, isn't really something I'm I'm looking forward to. And the reason I'm going to pick Angelico and Jack Evans is because I don't think on any pay-per-view for AEW they've won yet. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to go with those two, just because they haven't had one yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's fair. That's a fair way to uh, to look at it. I just, Markman was so good. Like I, I mean, I know that wins and losses matter in this company, or at least they said it does. So it's going to be very important to make sure you don't give someone like an 0-6 start to their career. Like you don't want to just bury them immediately if you don't have to. Um, Great. So I can see what you're saying. Uh, like you said, I don't care much for the buy-in either. It's not something that uh, particularly interests me much. Uh, the 21 Women battle, uh, Casino Battle Royale should be fun though. But uh, we kind of talked about it briefly last week where the division has like a lot of potential. But does it have like a superstar name in it yet? Uh, we didn't think it does. Um, obviously, you, you've got some names that are more entertaining than others, right? But the women's division, it needs to really show. Because we, we've seen WWE finally start to work the women the last couple of years into main event roles, right? But around the, the rest of the wrestling industry and the Indies and stuff, women's wrestling has always been really big. So AEW has to kind of keep that trend going and not take a step back. Um, and I think they will. I don't think you need a superstar. Like when I say superstar, I legitimately like an A1 star talent, not like a WWE superstar. Uh, you don't need that kind of like marquee star to uh, to run a division. And I think AEW has enough just talented women that they can kind of pull together whatever they need to. And a 21-woman match should be good to really highlight that and, and get it going. That being said, I don't even know who's going to win it. Um, why don't you take the, the lead on that one? Well, I, I see three possible options here. I think I don't know how many women are in this thing. There's going to be more people added to this match, which means okay. a couple surprises. So it could be that you always know that whoever that surprise is has a chance of winning the thing. I don't even know if Awesome Kong the match. Yeah, but she's I don't probably she's probably their biggest established star in the women's division at this point. So they may give it to her just simply because she has that name recognition. 
Mm-hmm. The other person I could see is Britt Baker. They're yeah. they're really high on her. They think Britt that she could, be, well. could be the next star for them. And at some point, if you want to make her the star and push her, you need to give her a big win. The first ever Casino Battle Royale would be that for her. So I could see Baker taking it home. Yeah, Baker is like the first name that really jumps out at me as uh, as a potential winner. I also like Kylie Ray a lot. I think she could be a sleeper pick to win it, but it, it's really tough, especially when like this is the issue without having uh, like a weekly television or like any kind of like television um, identity. It's really hard to tell exactly who's in the match because there's no build up to it. It's just kind of hey, here's the match, and all this stuff is advertised basically through Twitter and like their videos on YouTube and stuff, right? So it's hard to really AEW's got a, a big problem with that in that a lot of their names, that a lot of people, whether it's stars from Japan or women that they've sort of plucked out of the independent scene that people don't know yet. So it's yeah. going to take the TV show to really introduce them to those characters. Sure. There's other matches on this card where a lot of people don't even know who's in them and who they probably couldn't care less about them itself. So AEW's got to work to get around that a little bit. The personality that in the independent scene people sort of know, you know, Dr. Baker, the dentist, whatever she is. She's got that that character that you can sort of build on, and she's, I don't mean to say the only important thing, pretty face, and she's got those skills and qualities too that, that make her presentable. She's also, uh, I, I saw a story recently where she doesn't want to be known as just Adam Cole's girlfriend, and I thought that was, I mean, I don't. I didn't even realize people like knew her as that. That's shocking to me, because she is very talented. Like you said, she's kind of one of the more recognizable names, if there is one on that uh, women's division. Um, and that's not to say like the hardcore fans don't know a lot more of them because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening and that, that watch wrestling that know all 21 people in this match. That's not, you know, you're the hardcore fan and it's great, but the general casual fan isn't going to know most of these people. Awesome Kong's recognizable, if not for her stint in TNA, for her very brief run at WWE. And I was like, she's on Glow, right? That, she's like after that. Uh, yeah. But after, other than that, like it really drops off this roster. Yeah, for me, as long as it doesn't work her way into the match somehow and win the thing, then it's good. But if she goes in there how enters and wins, it's disappointing. That's like a WWE and the rub to Shane McMahon kind of thing, right? Um, but yeah, it's not just the women in this situation either. Like like you said, the men, the women, like everyone on the roster, it's very hard to know who all these people are if you don't watch them kind of get the wrestling. And even if you do, there are so many different promotions and instances of people wrestling that it's really hard to figure out exactly who's who um, and know all of them. So... 21 women battle royal uh, battle royale really really interesting as far as maybe getting talent over but the, and, and as far as the rest of the card goes i think once they get their show on tnt that's something that's really going to take off for AEW. like it, it's yeah. great to have these shows and like big big name matches and stuff like that but uh it, until you get that presence on tv everywhere where people get to actually be familiar that's when things are going. uh we move on to rio versus hikaru Shiba. that match the winner of it i believe goes on to the uh they have a women's world title match. So that could be uh, an interesting one. I really don't know enough about these two to really like take a winner, but I would say that maybe Rio, if anything. Yeah, I, I could I don't know either in terms of who these two competitors are very well. And to be totally honest with you, I don't really care. This is okay. kind of one of those throwaway matches where anybody could win and it won't really make a difference to me because I don't know enough about them. AEW's going to have to establish whoever mm-hmm. has a real character. Or real- yeah, it, it's uh, like you said, like, I mean, it goes back to the exact conversation we had without having that familiarity or like the recognition of like, if you can't relate to the people, it's hard to really care or be in, not, not care, but be invested in it. You can care about something and not be super invested. Um, and that comes with time. 
So we'll get there. And, and I know that they really want to have these Japanese talents uh, because of their roots in Japan, obviously, uh, get kind of a, a platform, especially in the United States. So I think it's real cool that they're doing this. I think it's really awesome. But it'll take some time for sure. Uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt versus SoCal Uncensored, which is obviously Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. That's an interesting one for me because you've got like you know a bunch of up-and-comers who are actually pretty uh, popular already among AEW fans against probably some of the most established veterans in the industry. I, I mean, I know they haven't they really had WWE time as far as Daniels, Kazarian, and, and Sky go, but they're still immensely uh, talented and popular, and, and they're known even among WWE fans who may not know most of these stars, right? So you've got the old breed versus the new breed. And in this one, I think you could have Young Bucks, no pun intended, the young kids here taking it, um, because you can't say Young Bucks on a roster that features the Young Bucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, that's my pick for this one. And I think, like I said, you can afford to lose if you're Daniels, Kazarian, Sky. You could also win, and I'm pretty sure I've had this argument before as to why they would lose the match, but it makes sense to me to have younger guys win this match because, you, like I said, you don't need uh, the, the older trio to win to still be popular and have a presence. That said, if you really want to push them to the moon and have that, like, that veteran stable, you know, more power to you, the young kids aren't going to be looked at poorly. If they, can, if they can hang in a great match and then lose, it doesn't really matter. Winning and losing doesn't matter so much as you look good doing it. So that could be interesting. But yeah, I've got to go with the younger guys in this one. For me, this is an easy one. Uh, SoCal Uncensored, I think that their role in AEW is to establish themselves as a veteran group, but to put over guys. So far, they have a good win-loss record. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. That the Kane, Daniel Bryan, Hurricane Helms are that duo of AEW that is going to have a bright future. And for I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for those guys, actually. Like, the match will be competitive. But Luchasaurus is, is strong, and Jungle Boy is popular. Um, so I just can't let those guys lose them. Yeah. It, like I said, it, as long as you look good, it really doesn't matter too much. But I agree with you. Like I said, I mean, I, I've got the young guys winning it, and, and it really doesn't make much sense for them to lose. But I'm, glad, I'm glad we agree on that one, because I'm sure as we get further into the show with some of the more popular ones, which actually we're going to get into... Uh, maybe not the next one, but after that, there's going to be a lot more uh, like r- r- uh, room for interpretation. Uh, we can go right away to uh, the best friends, which is Chuck Taylor and Tramparetta against the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. And the winner received a first round bye for the uh, the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. This one has to be uh, best friends, right? No. <laughs> there's the degree. The Dark Order is, to me, one of the most interesting groups in tag teams in AEW, best friends are fun and they're awesome watch and they're entertaining and you like to for them. But their future, as far as you know, building a tag team division, I don't think it's there. Just to, for the dark order. Uh, I was being sarcastic just for what it's worth, but oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there sorry, it didn't, it didn't come across. Go on though, explain like you're you're It'd you're taking words out of my mouth, so yeah, sorry, yeah, it's definitely the best friends, right? There we go, use take two. Um, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, Dark Order all the way, even a contest. In fact, probably a squash uh, as much as AEW squash, and they don't really do them. Um, I could see Dark Order really between their whatever you call them, their minions or what have you. That's something that AEW is going to want to make sure fans know who these guys are, what they're all about, their storyline, their background. They're curious, they're interesting. I just can't see them not pushing them for a while, and it's going to start that all out. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. This is um, we've talked about it before again in the past, where AEW is the tag team company at this point, right? They have to be a team, uh, a company that really pushes tag teams to the moon. And this is just this is the kind of team you, you hope to get when you sign a, a roster, right? You hope to get a team that is good in the ring, but also has a very like they have, they have an aura about them, like it's a, a very strong appeal, and you want to see what they're gonna do. And as long as it's not ruined, like we've seen WWE do on the main roster then that's fine, and quite frankly, the only company that really ruins tag team wrestlers seems to be WWE at this point, uh, consistently anyway. So I have high hopes yep. for uh, the Dark Order and seeing what they can do and what they can become. And I don't think it's going to be a squash. Like you said, that's not really the MO of AEW. And, and there's no reason to squash anyone. Like, you don't want to make your talent look weak, right? There's no reason to do that unless you have, like, a specific jobber, which, I mean... Maybe, now that I say it, maybe Chuck Hill and Tramperetta are those specific jobbers. But it's kind of a hard sell to, to sell on them unless they realize that's what their role is. But like you said, they're fun, they're quirky, and I think it's really the perfect contrast to the Dark Order, at least, as, uh, as far as opponents go. So I'm excited to see that, and but yeah, I mean, I agree. It definitely has to be Dark Order. This time there is no sarcasm. Uh, it's going to be Dark Order. And if it's not, yeah. then, I mean, good for AEW for keeping us on our toes, but also, what are you doing? Yeah, I'd be shocked. Yeah, we can go to uh, Darby Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc. This one, I have no idea. I want to say Darby Allen, just because of the performance he put on against um, Cody. But man, this is going to be a good match. This is going to be a really good match, I think. Like a sleeper match for the match of the night. It's not going to be match of the night because of the two matches at the top. But this has a lot of potential. I'm going to go with Joey Janela on this one. Okay. And it, you're right, it could be. It could be a toss-up. Anybody could win this thing. The idea that Joey did have a headlining match against John Moxley. He's kind of the hardcore style, but AEW won't really do a ton of the hard stuff. But they still want to get him over as the crazy sort of hardcore guy. Yeah. Um, he's a very likable character with a very unique quality. And I think that he could you know, pick up. So far, he's just been taking a beating. Um, mm-hmm. It's about time that he, you know, he's on the way with something. Yeah, they obviously like him. And if you watch him, he's like again, he has some kind of there's something about him that makes you want to watch. It makes you want to stay invested in it. And like you said, they have been using him. It hasn't been in a positive way for him, so to speak, as far as wins and losses go. But they've been using him, and they've been putting him in very like marquee situations that you almost have to watch. Not then, if you didn't want to watch, you still have to when he's involved. And that's a good thing for him. I think Darby Allen, he impressed the hell out of me. Uh, the last time we saw him, and I honestly I, I can't imagine that he doesn't win this match uh, just based off of that. But then when you put in Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc in the equation, you can say almost the same thing about the other two as well. Um, it's a cracker barrel clash. I don't really know what that is. If I'm being honest, I haven't really kept up with what that could possibly be. But... Well, if you if you remember the um, Moxley debut and Jericho was fighting in the main event against Kenny Omega, there was a Cracker Barrel barrel. It is a sponsor of theirs. Remember, if there was a moment where he had to help the referee get the barrel out right. because the referee couldn't get it out the ropes and it was labeled with a Cracker Barrel on it, mm-hmm. I don't think it's much more than the idea that they're a sponsor. Oh, okay. Well, you fooled me, AEW. Well done. And you get and <laughs> you got free advertising for your, your, uh, your sponsor on our show. So there you go. You know what? Really good work. This one, I think, is also going to be really good. Um, the, the rest of the matches on the card should be your... It's like I'm saying, I saved them for last, but it should be your top four for sure. Um, 
We can go Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks, and I think this it would be really hard for it to not be the uh, the match of the night. And it's for the Triple A Championship, and I think it's yeah, it's a ladder match to the death. Uh, translated, I'm not going to pretend like I can pronounce things in Spanish, so I'm not going to try. But I want to say this says ladder to the death for the Triple A World Tag Team Championships, and that's I mean, we, like you said, you were disappointed in the, the six man tag match that they had at um, what was it the, that we uh, that Fighter Fest? Was it? It was before Fighter Fest, wasn't it? Well, the video game themed. That was Fighter Fest. Okay, then Fighter Fest. I think so. Um. Anyway, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, so that one you were disappointed because of the match that you saw um, the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks put on at uh, Double or Nothing. You were disappointed because as good as the match was, it was nothing compared to that straight up tag team match that we saw. Give the, these two teams the room and the ladders to put on a match like this. They go 20 minutes. That's I don't know how it's not a five star match. Like, it'll almost be like they have to try to not put on a five-star match, right? You've got arguably the two best tag teams on the planet. Uh, I don't really know who else would even be in the running for that. They're, they're probably another team or two that I can't think about. But these two teams have to be, like, one and two uh, on most people's lists, right? If, I mean, most hardcore wrestling fans. I'm, I'm not saying that everyone knows the Lucha Brothers, if you're a WWE fan, but pretty much everyone knows sure. the Lucha yeah, there's there's a couple teams from the WWE, the Usos, you know, that you could throw in there for sure. Um, in terms of on the same level, can they do the same thing in the ring that those two teams can do? Bros and the Young Bucks, probably not. Yeah, that's what I'm Big saying. Big time. I'm going to give this one to the Lucha Bros. I think they're due. I think the Young Bucks wanted the Lucha Bros to win far earlier, but okay. AEW and Tony Khan just simply wouldn't let that happen. I think the Young Bucks are really trying to make Lucha Bros our stars. They mm-hmm. are, and I think this is the match set up for them to finally get that win to get that push and establish themselves on the same level, if not just below the Young Bucks. Yeah, well, like we said, I mean, you, you brought it up in the past, too, where all the, like, executive VPs seem to be getting their due and winning. Like, they seem to be getting like that push, which I think is fine. I think you have to expect it. Uh, if nothing else, then just to make your stars your stars, right? You've got to establish them right away as your stars. And they haven't won in squash matches. Every one of the matches they've won, they've made the other guy look really good. Or the other team look really good. Uh, I agree. I think that the Lucha Bros win this one. I think it's going to be an incredible match. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Young Bucks do take it. But I, I think the logical winner here would be the uh, the Lucha Brothers. Just because it can you can really solidify them as that team. The Young Bucks we know are, are the, the top team in the company. right? That's not going anywhere. But you really want to have at least one other team. A la New Day and... Um, the Usos, right? You want to have at least two teams that can really carry your, your show uh, in a pinch. You had that in WWE in the past as well with like Edge and Christian, the Hardys, the Dudleys, the, uh, the British Bulldogs, the, the Hart Foundation. The tag team wrestling has always been such a big thing where you, you can't just have one team, so you have to establish more than one team. And these two teams may already be established, but once television comes around and people have to actually get familiar with them, you really want to push the Lucha Brothers as your stars. Uh, yeah, alongside and, and it, the Young Bucks, it, it it might be subtle, but title being a title you need to translate into English just yeah. sort of says to me that this match is stuff to showcase the Lucha Bros. I think it might be specifically because it's for the AAA World Tag Team Championships, but it is. I think it's cool. It's a good touch to be authentic to it. Um, yeah. So we both pick the Lucha Brothers on this one. Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, the next one is controversial. The match itself isn't controversial. But the build-up to it is with Cody versus Sean Spears. And Sean Spears has Tully Blanchard with him, actually, as his manager. 
So that's kind of interesting. But uh, wait, do you think there's anything with Art Anderson in this one before I even continue? Uh, wait, I, no, I don't think so. Here, I think it's Sean, and I think the card is important. But more than that, I think you want Stone as a company who was able to pluck somebody that WWE discarded and yeah. thought nothing of. And I've heard interviews where Chris Jericho has said that they think Sean Spears is a main event guy and that he didn't have the opportunity to showcase his main event talent in WWE. And AEW is going to do what they got to do to make that. So which Spears is going to get the win here. He's going to move on to be a major heel in the company, maybe one of the biggest heels in the company for the next six months or so, and really get that platform, that launching platform. And with Blanchard by his, I think, eventually play a role. I just think to do that is a little too early. Really just introducing Tully Blanchard to your AEW audience for the first time at this yeah. pay-per-view. I mean, people know and who Sean he is. And Sean Spears, too. Like, you don't want to take away from... You, you don't want to take away from the match. And adding in too much might make it too much gimmick, I think, is where you're going with it, right? Yeah, I think if you need Blanchard to help you... Oh, and by the way, you also need Anderson to help. And that's the only way that you're beating Cody Rhodes. Sure, he's a heel. Yes, he might cheat No, I in, meant him coming but, with Cody. Oh, you mean Anderson with Cody? Yeah, but I think yeah, at that point... It, I don't think so. It's like a very WWE Eventually. move, right? Oh, it's Sting versus Triple H. And oh, look... NWO and DX came out, right? It yeah. seems like a very WWE move where you just have to get all the old guys involved. And it's fun for nostalgia, but that's not what AEW is right now. Despite bringing Tully Blanchard in, I don't think it's necessarily just a nostalgia move. I think that they actually have plans for this, um, at least for the short term. So I agree. I think yep. Sean Spears takes it. But, man, this match can go either way, right? Like, Sean Spears needs to be established. Whether or not he is a main event talent... Honestly, I don't know if he is, um, but you can push him like he is and hope that he can get to that point or at least give him the, the, the opportunity to do it. Your roster isn't deep enough to the point where you, you have to... Like, we, we know the guys at the top, right? You got Adam Page, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Cody, and the Young Bucks. Those are your, your top of your top, right? And let's say the Lucha Bros. And if you want to count Pac, you can count Pac. Uh, and Moxie, obviously, I didn't count. But outside of that, you've got, what, 10 guys there? Um, two, two of the, uh, sorry, four out of the group would be a tag team. So you've got six guys. You have room for other people to be involved in the main event story, picture. There's no reason why you shouldn't try and push Sean Spears. Uh, like you said, it, it can only go well for them if it works. And if it doesn't work, eh, we took a shot. We gave them an opportunity. This is the company we are. It's really a win-win for them regardless. And I do like Sean Spears. Um, I, I think he's very good. And I think he'll be better in this character than he ever was as Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10 at least the WWE version as opposed to the NXT version or the later, like early NXT version, the late NXT version sure. and WWE version were very underwhelming. But uh, yeah, I've got to go Sean Spears. Cody can afford to take the loss. Like we've said, he doesn't need to win. And also he's, if he ever wants a win, he can have it. I am sure that's not an issue, but this is about protecting your investments as well. And you don't need to win the match. You also need to think of this from a, an executive or like a, a, you know, like a, an actual businessman and not just a wrestler. And that's why this is going to be such an interesting company because Cody, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, especially, really have to, like, you know, toe the line between being successful themselves and having a really strong roster. And I think these are the four guys to do it more than anyone else. I think they understand at a very high level. That it's not about your own individual success, but it's about being a group and a unit and having everyone do their job, so to speak. So, Sean Spears wins. Cody does the job. Hopefully, no more chair headshots. That should be a one-time thing ever, and even then, 
eh. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go Sean Spears on this one for sure. All right. Well, we're on the same page with that one too. Um, where do you want to go next? There are two matches left. Let's go with the, like, the actual main event first. So it's Adam Page versus Chris Jericho for the World Championship. This is something that's surprising just because we, I, double or nothing, we fully expected it to be Adam Page, or I guess uh, one of Adam Page and Pac defending against what would have been Kenny Omega. Right? We thought Kenny Omega is going to win, and then the winner of that is going to face, uh, or sorry, and then the winner of the world title match, either Adam Page or Pac, is going to face off against Kenny Omega. And we found out that Pac was going to win that match, and then he was going to drop it almost immediately to Kenny Omega. And that kind of creative difference created that stir where Pac ended up becoming a free agent, or not a free agent, but like he didn't wrestle double or nothing. Hasn't made an appearance at an AEW event yet. Uh, Adam Page won the Battle Royale. Chris Jericho beat Kenny Omega. So really just a full roller coaster of, of events. And now we're here with Chris Jericho versus Adam Page, which probably wasn't what they were looking to do but should be a hell of a match regardless. And it would make so much sense to make Chris Jericho your world champion just because he'd be the perfect first world champion, right? The first ever undefeated champion, the first ever AEW world champion. But Adam Page, I mean, I guess you could set up an Alpha Omega 3, and I think they do want to do that. But Adam Page, he's just got... He's probably the most underrated talent in the wrestling world right now, right? Like, he's so good... And people don't really know about him, and they don't like. I know he's in the main event picture here, but that guy is just as good as the other guys, like the other top guys in the company. And he's not talked about as much as the the others are. So I'm I'm gonna go Chris Jericho, but I think Adam Page has a legit shot at winning. Ask you a question: Would you comfortable sending him in to TNT for your new show as champion if people don't know him? I, I don't know that they care. Uh, about that as much, and if they did care about that, then I would revise my pick and say the Young Bucks should win the tag team titles, right? I think one yeah. is just time leading up to it, and two, wouldn't you rather this? This is my my angle on it. For, I mean, yes, based off your reasoning, and this is kind of what I'm, I'm going to go with this as well. I think that the best case scenario for AEW is put somewhat established people, so like people that know, like people know Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, the Young Bucks, and Cody. And John Moxley. They know those names. Everyone else is a crapshoot. Either they know them or they don't know them. But you can almost guarantee that the Young Bucks, Jericho, Omega, and Cody are known among all wrestling circles. They have to be, right? There's going to be the regular kids and mothers and fathers that don't watch it. They just watch casually on Raw and SmackDown. But for the most part, you're going to know those people. If you can have those guys be your stars going into the, the, the show and then build people up. Like, if you want to make Adam Page and, and the Lucha Brothers and all these people, Darby Allin, Sean Spears, you want to make them relatable or likable or hateable, depending if you're if you're heel. If you want to give them that, that platform, the chase is the most important thing. We talked about it with Becky Lynch and uh, the whole build-up to WrestleMania and everything, too, right? Her build, like, building her up, same with Jeff Hardy going back years and years and years, Seth Rollins for the title, Roman Reigns for the title. The build-up is the most important thing. Daniel Bryan, again, again, it's just too much. But the build-up is the most important thing, and when you have that chase, it gives you reason to love the person and fall in love with the storyline and the angles and want to see them win. So Adam Page going in day one as the champion just takes away all that steam. Chris Jericho going in is like, well, yeah, that makes sense. It's Chris Jericho, right? And people know Chris Jericho. The first segment on TNT is Chris Jericho holding the world championship over his head. That's cool. Um, So I, I see what you're saying, and why would you want to give someone who doesn't have name value the biggest platform on your show. But for a similar reason, like I just said, 
but different. I think that Adam Page can't win it yet. I think he has to win it after your show is established. If they care about that. Maybe they think that this all counts, right? All the stuff leading up to it, maybe it all really does count. I think this is all just precursor stuff to when the show begins. You know what I mean? Like, this is all really good and entertaining, and it gets people interested in AEW, and it keeps them on the map. But when that TV show starts every week, that's when things are really going to start going, and you really want to start building your storylines from there. Yep, that's why I question because it is absolutely critical for AEW to recognize that TNT is part of their company and that yeah. to build Adam Perley, he needs to chase after the world title. Very first segment on your very first show needs to be Chris Jericho. I also think that, that he needs to be the title holder going into the biggest launch of this company's career, which is their first episode on TNT um, in October. So I think that Paige chasing that to introduce and Jericho has talked repeatedly about how important build up your opponents for a segment, talk about his match with Paige, how big a deal Adam Page is going to be, and then sell how much he's actually a contender, and then watch Paige change for it. You know, and, and that will be something that fans will fall in love with. And then eventually when Paige takes it from Jericho or does win it at some point, whether it's from Jericho or someone else, um, that's really important. So I think if AEW doesn't do that, if they're stuck in this mentality, are who we are, where everybody loves us, the undiscovered talents, I think that's idiotic. I think that they need to understand there is going to be a massive to get more casual fans in to watch the product as well. And the one way to do that is to have a guy that you know, whether you like him or not, a title. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. Um, you've got to be really calculated in how you do this. And, and I honestly, I do think that they're, they're very, um, things change on the fly and they're willing to adapt, but they also have to know that playing your cards right and, and planning ahead is important. And I'm sure they do. So that'll be important. Uh, so yeah, Chris Jericho makes the most sense to me. And, and like you said, for everything we've discussed, Adam Page, no reason why eventually he can't be that guy. But for now, it just, it makes more sense to have him chase for the title. Uh, before we get to the last match, I want to just say quickly, uh, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Allie, Brandy Rhodes, Teal Piper, Ivelise, Ivelise, I don't know who that is, Jazz, Big Swole, Sadie Gibbs, Awesome Kong, Shazza McKenzie, and 10 others are going to be in the match. So Brandy Rhodes is in it. Britt Baker, like we said, we both kind of picked her. Awesome Kong is in it. Jazz is interesting. Jazz has actually been like huge in the, the women's division uh, in different promotions since, uh, since her time in WWE, so that could be an interesting name as well. Nyla Rose also could be interesting for different reasons. You know, they want to make sure that they're super inclusive and there's no reason not to be. And Nyla Rose obviously is very popular, at the very least. Uh, Allie also got like a little yeah, push at the last It's show. still Britt Baker for yeah, yeah, regardless still, of anybody. It's it's still Britt Baker. Okay. I just know I didn't say, like I said, we don't know who's in the match. At least we know about half the field. So if you want one of the 11 of the field, you're taking one of them. No problem. Uh, me too. Last yep. match, which was supposed to be Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, is now much more interesting for me. Kenny Omega against Pac, his AEW debut. You can uh, you can start with this one. This is a toss-up. I'm going to go with Kenny Omega uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that had Pac come in with the Dragon Gate title, it would be Pac. Uh, he doesn't have it anymore, so it's not as big of a deal. Uh, two, I don't think... Omega has really done much in the way of wins and losses in AEW. He's of the executives, the guy that has taken the biggest shaft so far in the company. Now he seems willing to do that. Three, he's sort of turned heel. 
ish, if you want, where he talked to Moxley about, you know, wrestling for other promotions. He sort of turned into become the baby face, now the heel, and really sarcastic and arrogant. And, you know, you're a jerk, Moxley. Why would you do that? Now I've got to fight, you know, Pac and stuff. Your possible launching platform for Omega. Uh, and Omega will be the future of AEW and move forward. But I also don't know that Pac is actually with AEW yet. Official contract of any kind, and he is not a poster. And there's no plan to make him part of that because he wants to do his own thing. Why would you? Yeah, I mean, I agree uh, with all of that. Again, it's tough to give Pac a loss, but also can you can you really make Kenny Omega lose to a guy that you might not know is going to be like a superstar on your roster? Um, when I say that, I mean like, can Pac be a marquee star on the roster if he's not signed to a contract? Then again, maybe the, the plan is to bring him in. I know that even when he didn't wrestle, they still had plans to have him involved with the company. So that's not really a shock that he's here. Uh, Kenny Omega is still legitimately the best wrestler on the planet, if not one of the top three. So it's tough to not look at him and say, oh, this is the guy who's going to win every match he's in. But he's also been very good at losing in his career and not and looking just incredible in doing it. Kenny Omega is the best wrestler at... He can lose a match and you still say, wow, Kenny Omega had such a great match. Right? It doesn't matter. All three against Okada, originally, like it didn't make a difference. Kenny Omega is just... He's Kenny Omega. And as far as him being healed, that's where he shines the most. He's absolutely healed. The guy speaks fluent Japanese, and for years he was just like, nah, I'm going to speak English to you guys. You don't deserve to hear me speak Japanese. And then he turned to babyface, he spoke Japanese to them. Like, that's just... He's, he, I think Kenny Omega, more than anybody on the planet, understands the wrestling industry. Like, better than anybody. He just gets it, he understands, and, and I think he takes it personally. So, Pac... It's going to be a good match. I don't know that I want to make a prediction here. My, if I had to, it would be Kenny Omega. But I really want to just be entertained with this match. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good match. A good high-flying, technically paced match. I think it'll be um, you know, a winner from a fan's perspective who likes to watch in-ring competition. But you know, wins and losses doesn't matter. But, I mean, we are doing predictions here, so I'm going to go with Kenny Omega for this one. Um, just because he's due, I think, and, and the change in direction and... You know, that a lot of the other execs that I've picked to lose, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, um, somebody's got to win it, right? So yeah. we'll, we'll go with Omega on there. that one. All right, well, I gotta, we'll run real quick here, but there's one more question I have to ask you that isn't sure. necessarily a match prediction. Do you think CM Punk will be at All Out? Gut feeling says no. Heart says please. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see it. You know, considering how many sources now have said he's not coming, so you could go one way and say, well, they're all just hiding. That everybody really wants this isn't going to happen. And that just because Stark S3, he's going to be at AEW. And the people who are really looking forward to and anticipating that are going to be disappointed. That said, there is going to be some sort of major twist and shock at this pay-per-view. I don't know what it is, but it will be something. Somebody will debut. Somebody will show up. Somebody will return, Fresh or some WWE guy will Cassidy. show up. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> not. Um, but yeah, something's going to happen. Is it Punk? Probably not. But something big will go down uh, to either end Cole the show Cabana. or yeah, <laughs> maybe. But if you're going to go for Cole Cabana, uh, have the I guess they're not friends anymore, but Punk and Cole Cabana used to be really close. I I just get the sense that somebody's coming, whether it's Jack Swagger or who knows, right? Like. Somebody that we're not thinking will be there, and um, is a punk? No, but somebody's coming. Yeah, I agree. There has to be something, and it's almost a must-watch show, so that'll be interesting. 
Um, I'm excited for it, honestly. And it's right around the corner, so that'll be fun. August 31st, yep. which is obviously it's tomorrow. Uh, we were on the same page for a lot of this stuff, so that was really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you run only because I have a few things i got to tackle and some news that we got to cover here on the show, but uh, uh, we'll talk next week about at the pay-per-view. Sounds great, man. Anyway, folks, that was our interview with Brandon, the co-host of the show, who came in just specifically to talk AEW All Out. We're going to enjoy that pay-per-view tomorrow. That is on Saturday. This pro- this podcast you know, airs on Friday, and hopefully you get a chance to listen to it and hear our predictions, kind of make your own predictions, see what's what. And uh, don't forget, have a listen to us, anchor.fm, thesports.com, wrestlingwriteups.com. You can check us out on YouTube and a bunch of other podcast platforms. So until next week, we'll chat with you then. And it sounds like we're going to be chatting a lot more WWE, including Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, getting a shot at the Universal title at Hell in a Cell. That may be what's going on. So make sure you tune in next week and uh, listen to that news and more on the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. Hey.